Thanks, Steph. Um, so this is a, an interesting Sunday for me. Uh, when I was planning the preaching roster, uh, I was thinking about sort of different weeks uh, and what they could be. Uh, where we've got, so obviously we've done Exodus, uh, we've done a prayer series, uh, we are moving towards Christmas and the, the few weeks before Christmas we'll be doing uh, some looking forward to Christmas. Um, and before that, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to be doing a four-week series on Ecclesiastes. Uh, I went to the, the seminary at Unley Park uh, recently, uh, last, actually it was over the holidays, uh, and one of the weeks was on Ecclesiastes, it really captured my attention, and there's a lot of stuff in that that I thought would be lovely for us to hear, uh, really about what do we do when life doesn't go to plan? Ecclesiastes is wisdom literature. What do we do when life doesn't go to plan? That would be an interesting and helpful thing for us to consider. And so we're going to be doing four weeks on that. Uh, Next week, we've got a special guest, Steve Woods from Baptist World Aid, is going to be coming and speaking to us, which left Sunday the 22nd of October. Uh, as a little bit of a, a blank spot. Originally, I kind of thought that maybe we might be a little bit further along with our vision and our mission plans, uh, with your surveys that you've done, the reflections that have been done upon those. Um, but I really, I really wanted to be able to have some time dedicated to praying about where we're going before coming back and reporting about sort of things to you. Uh, when I was speaking to my mentor earlier in the year about uh, the process kind of we're on and how I'm kind of finding my feet here at Glen Osman uh, and how we are doing some thinking about our vision or our mission of who we are and what, what God's designed us to be, uh, one of the things that he said was to ensure that every step is covered in prayer so that I'm not trying to force an agenda or the OLT are trying to take the church where they think they want, but we as Glenn Osmond together are seeking God's heart for us. And that's what this 24-hour prayer event's really about. There's a lot of stations been talking to a team of people about trying to create a space in there which is accessible for people of all ages. But there's a real heart for that to, to be a time where we can seek what God has for us. Uh, And so I'm not going to be speaking about the vision and mission today uh, because of that. Uh, But one thing that captured my attention a week or two ago uh, that I just started thinking that might be a helpful thing for us to think through uh, at Glen Osmond is that when I was walking through the shops, uh, I was walking through Woolworths and I saw this. Who can tell me what this is? Grace. A chocolate advent calendar. You're correct in some ways, but also incorrect in other ways because this is a chocolate advent calendar designed by Cadbury uh, and I always seem to get a bit of a dud uh, chocolate advent calendar because advent starts and then like a week in I've only got like three days left until Christmas um, but then I feel sad I just pop another window and have a chocolate and I feel better um, <laughs> that's how they work right because um, this has got 24 days it's got like a countdown to Christmas when really Uh, Advent starts on the 3rd of December. Did you know that? 3rd of December this year, it changes dates. And so if you are going by the chocolate Advent, you're starting early. 
Uh, I, I saw another great uh, advent calendar online this week that I was, I was keen to get, but I don't know if I'd be able to get it past Laura. I've got a photo of it, James. This one here. Uh, this is an advent calendar uh, based on the Die Hard movie. That's Hans Gruber, who's falling off the, the Nakatomi Plaza. Uh, and so each day he goes a little bit further down. Um, we have a, well, I have, it's not, not a family tradition yet, uh, but I, I like to watch Die Hard at some point during the Christmas uh, season, the greatest Christmas movie ever made. Um, it's a, a fantastically fun movie, uses Christmas as a plot device. Uh, speaking about that later, that's not what my sermon's about, take that down, please. Um, but I, I, I do think there is something about Advent and preparing for Christmas. Because what these kind of are, they get kids excited about Christmas. And we do things, like you need to prepare for Christmas. I'm not sure if you realise, but if you are planning on sending mail overseas to get to people by Christmas, the deadline's coming up. Does anyone know what the deadline for mailing internationally is? 16th of November. So you still got to most places in the world, if you put something in the mail by the 16th of November, it will reach its destination by Christmas time. But you know what that means? If you're ordering something online for Christmas, you're going to need to have that sorted by a similar time frame, right? We need to start thinking about things and start getting things organized early. Um, putting the tree up, putting lights up. I have heard a rumour that some people try and get this done before something called the pageant. Uh, now, this is all very new to me, um, but I was actually at somebody's house for dinner this week and they had their Christmas tree already up and ready to go. Granted that their job is in marketing and they needed to start getting some Christmas things together, but still, I was like, it's October. What's going on? But sometimes people are starting to plan further and further in advance. Uh, parents, those of us that have kids, or even just friends or family, uh, present shopping. You don't want to leave that to the last moment. You don't want to be one of those, dare I say, uh, absent-minded husbands running around on the Christmas Eve trying to buy uh, the presents with all the crowds. We like to try and think uh, in advance and try and make sure that we're not doing that last-minute dash. Uh, you might know how to think about getting a, a, an advent calendar uh, for the kids, or I've seen lots of people doing the elf on the shelf. We have successfully managed to avoid the elf on the shelf, uh, but I know that some people have a lot of fun doing that. Um, but even that's kind of like thinking further, when it gets close and closer to other things, there's like all the food for Christmas Day. We've got a tradition in our family where, where we like to go on Christmas Eve to a seafood shop to get some prawns. Uh, we don't like heap love prawns, but there's something about just the excitement of being in a line that's about 45 minutes long to get some prawns that just screams Christmas for us. Uh, Christmas is a big deal, right? Christmas involves a fair bit of planning and preparation. Uh, and sometimes we get all of the practical things that we need to do. Advent, what I want to talk to us about today, is a chance for us to actually spiritually prepare for this amazing thing, to prepare for Christmas. Advent is a time to reflect and prepare for Christmas, not practically, not physically, but spiritually. 
The word Advent itself is actually derived from the Latin word for, for coming. It's about the coming King, the coming Christ. It's to remind us of the King who came into our world, but also to remind us that that King is going to come again. Advent has both these elements to it. As we celebrate the king who came, where Israel waited expectantly for that king, but also to know that that king is going to come back. That king is coming back into our world. Uh, I read a great quote from Diedrich Bonhoeffer this week about uh, Advent. I love Diedrich Bonhoeffer and some of the stuff that he has to say. Uh, And he said that the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul who know themselves to be poor and imperfect and look forward to something greater to come. Amazing. It's about us being aware of our need, about us being aware of our world's brokenness, but even more than our world looking out, our personal brokenness, our sinfulness, our shame, that God steps into our world to solve. Uh, I'd like to actually read to us uh, from Isaiah chapter 40. This is an Old Testament passage. It was written hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, but it also, it, it kind of, it creates the expectation around the coming of the Messiah, his advent. It's Isaiah chapter 40, Uh, Before I read it, I just want to tell you a little bit about the background of this chapter, because Isaiah is this big prophecy which covers a a wide amount of time in Israel's history. Um, Chapters 36 to 39 of Isaiah are this amazing narrative section of Isaiah, where we actually see, uh, by this stage in Israel's history, Israel is divided into a north kingdom, which they unhelpfully called Israel to make it confusing for us, and a south kingdom called Judah. In Isaiah 36 to 39, the Assyrians come from the north and they essentially destroy and wipe out the northern kingdom of Israel. They lay siege to the southern kingdom, Judah, but with God's help, they, they don't prevail. They're actually forced back. God protects the southern kingdom, Judah, where Jerusalem is. Uh, But unfortunately, by the end of this narrative structure for 36 to 39, it really sets up the reality that the southern kingdom, although has avoided the judgment that came from the Assyrians to the north, have actually not avoided judgment at all. It sets up that there is going to be another kingdom who's going to come uh, and who's going to take them into exile as punishment for their sins. And so that's kind of where... Isaiah 39 ends, this like promised judgment. You then get Isaiah chapter 40, and it's actually supposed to be read as almost after this exile, kind of once Israel has received this punishment, which was promised in Isaiah 39. Uh, So things are bad. This nation has either been wiped out or taken away as slaves to live in another nation. They are broken. God's plan for them would seem muddled and unsure of what's actually happening. And then we get Isaiah chapter 40. Let me read it to you. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. 
Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sins has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass. And all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fail. But the word of the Lord endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flocks like a shepherd. He gathers the lands in his arm and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This passage for Israel became almost very much associated with the coming Messiah. It speaks about preparing a way for the Lord and they are looking forward to the time where, where what is spoken about here, the Lord will come and establish peace and comfort for people. They're looking forward to this event happening. What's interesting is that the writer of Isaiah, God encourages people to, to prepare for this. In verse 3, make straight the path, prepare the way for the Lord. The actual uh, the word that gets translated uh, prepare, panu, is actually a Greek word for, for well, be Hebrew, a Hebrew word for to clear or turn aside. Now this actually, we, we read this about preparing a way, clearing the path, and sometimes we miss the historical context. If you lived in Israel and you knew that there was nobility, royalty that was coming to your town, as a group, as a town, you want to make it as enjoyable and easy for this visiting nobility to be able to come to you as possible. You're going to be going outside, outside your town, outside to, to the streets, and you're going to be clearing them making them as smooth and easy for this nobility, this royalty to, to be able to arrive on. You're going to want them thinking as they come down the path of your town, wow, this is a really nice path. Like this town must, must be really good. They must have really sorted things. You're preparing the way for this visiting nobility. It was a, a practice that would happen. I think the most modern equivalent that I can think of was uh, when uh, it was Harry and Meghan's wedding. Uh, hasn't that worked out amazing? Uh, anyway, uh, but I remember seeing um, the, the media coverage, uh, the, the, all the shows of, that were about it, and they were talking about how uh, as 
as Megan would be driving in her car. Megan, is that right? Meg, well, whatever. Uh, as she was coming in the car, she would be looking out the windows and uh, all of the people had gone out and they'd like trimmed their hedges perfectly and beautifully. Like it was just this, like it never looked as good as it did. It was perfectly all aligned and there's not a single twig that was out of place. Just so, for a moment, as this future princess drove past, she might go, oh, this is nice. All this effort, this time that would have gone into preparing that for a fleeting moment captures a little bit of the essence of what God is calling his people to do. Uh, make straight the path, prepare the way. We actually translate it make straight. It's the Hebrew word yeshru. But it actually makes, means more or to make or prepare a path. We kind of interpret it as a, as a straight, but it doesn't actually necessarily in the Hebrew mean straight. It just means to make or prepare a path. But when we read the next verse in Isaiah 40, we kind of get that it's supposed to be straight because the next verse starts talking about not just clearing the path and making it a nice, enjoyable, flat path. It's talking about filling in valleys. It's talking about making low mountains and hills, carving a path out, bringing down these things so that the Lord's path might be so quick and so smooth, there's no having to go up a hill or a mountain. No having to traverse that. No having to go down into a valley. He's able to just come quickly and speedily. This is what they are waiting for. This is what they are desiring. This is what they're looking forward to. This is what they need to prepare for. The coming of the Lord, the arrival of him and his glory. The problem is that throughout Israel's history, they have seen this as, as talking about the coming Messiah, which it is, but they've seen it in a very physical sense. And you see this a lot, that they have this misunderstanding of the physical reality of God's kingdom versus the spiritual nature of his kingdom. And so when Jesus arrives, he doesn't look like they're expecting. He's not this conquering king who's come to kick the Romans out and establish Israel as this powerful, strong nation. Jesus comes, and he heals the sick, and he proclaims, repentant, repent and believe, for the kingdom is at hand. It's not what they're expecting. They're expecting this mighty, powerful person to come and establish God's kingdom. Uh, and I think you actually see this picked up a lot in, um, in the Pharisees, I think the Pharisees would have been very familiar with Isaiah chapter 40. We often think about the Pharisees just the bad guys in Jesus' story, right? That's often how we think about the Pharisees. But I actually think that does the Pharisees a bit of a disservice. These were Israel's like, religious leaders. They were actually trying to help the people. And they knew the Bible really well. They knew the Old Testament intimately. And they would have known this passage. And they would have interpreted this as, as an idea of trying to help the people to be able to honour God. We need to prepare. If we want God to come, if we want the Messiah to come to establish God's kingdom, we need to make ourselves ready. We need to prepare spiritually. 
And so what the Pharisees did was they were like, if we can get, well, I think what they would have thought was if they could get everyone in Israel, even for a day, to completely honour God and all of his instructions and his laws, maybe, maybe they might be able to bring about this coming kingdom quicker. If they can make these preparations, maybe God, his hand might be forced to come and bring his kingdom sooner because they've made preparations, they've made the people right. And so out of a desire to help God's kingdom come, they would start creating laws to help people honour God's laws. And so God's law says, have a Sabbath, don't work. And so then they go and make a list of about, I think it's 40 to 60 different things of this is work, don't do these things. That's the purpose. The purpose is trying to keep this law so that they can spiritually prepare for the coming of God and his glory. So there's a law that God says, and the Pharisees say, well, this is the law here. And if we cross that, this might delay things and we might not be prepared. Let's create our law here. And that way it'll stop people even getting anywhere near God's law. The problem was they then started enforcing this like this was God's law. And they started coming down on people who wouldn't obey their laws as if they were God's laws. And they kind of missed the point of this passage entirely about the coming Messiah who's going to come and bring comfort. That is just a bit of an aside. It doesn't have much to do with where I want to go, but sometimes I just feel like we give the, the Pharisees a bit of a bad rap. They're just the bad guys. But when we actually can understand their motivation, I think it helps make the story come a bit more alive. But this is kind of this promise about the Messiah coming and people needing to prepare the way for him. I still think there's an element that we need to be doing this. What does it look like for us to spiritually be preparing for the coming Messiah? We know the Messiah has come. We know Jesus is the King who come and has established God's kingdom. Not in this physical sense that people had spoke of Israel being a powerful, mighty nation amongst the nations, but as a spiritual kingdom that we are now part of. Spiritually, we are Israel. We are God's people. That's who we are spiritually. Because God's kingdom is not a physical reality, it's a spiritual one that exists, coexists in our world with the kingdoms physically that we see around us. It's a spiritual reality. But what does it look like for us to spiritually make preparations for God to come? What does it look like for us to be able to celebrate Advent and prepare ourselves to celebrate Christ's coming and the reality that he will come again. Uh, so I, that's what I want us to think about. Uh, I've got a few little practical things that you might like to do that might assist in this. Uh, I don't want anyone to feel uh, forced or pressured to do something. Uh, I, I quite like sometimes the church calendar, different things that happen. I think they can be helpful for focusing us. And I just want to open these things and say these things might be helpful for you in terms of helping you prepare spiritually and actually engage with what Christmas is truly about for you personally and for your families. So James has got the first one on the screen. Uh, there's some people that I know are doing the Advent uh, She Reads, it's also a He Reads Truth event. This is 
um, for the season of Advent to be able to do some personal devotions and spend time each day helping yourself to spiritually prepare. Uh, It says the ship date is uh, the 25th of October, uh, and so you still have time. You've got three or four days. If you're looking to order that, that's when it's going to be shipped to be able to get to you before Advent. So if you are wanting to be able to do something for you personally, that is an option that I know that there are a few people in our congregation, our community, uh, who are doing that. Uh, I want to show you some of the things that we have also tried in the past. Uh, I don't, don't show you these things because I think that we've done these things perfectly, but these are some things that you might like to, to do or that might assist you in... Uh, helping connect with Advent. Uh, And so we've got things, this is uh, a Bible study guide, Advent, The Weary World Rejoices. Uh, Laura once ran a Bible study for women with about five or six women. Uh, And in December, they went through this five-week Bible study. That might be something that your small group might be interested in. You're welcome to come and have a look at any of these resources uh, after the service if you're curious. Um, This one here, uh, is an Anne Voskev. Uh, I know some people are really fond of Anne. Uh, unwrapping the greatest gift, the family celebration of Christmas. And it's just got, it's got the story beautifully presented as you can read through it. Uh, it kind of has some family activities. It tells you a date where you can do things. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful little thing to help people connect and engage with the story uh, that leads up to Advent. So that's there for people as well. Uh, Another thing that we have tried in the past is we've got this Christmas Prepare Him Room. They're Advent cards. And so essentially you put up a string and then you have these cards and they have uh, numbers on them. So you kind of have them all strung up. And then each time you turn one over and it's got a little bit on there about it. So this is uh, day, where is it? I've picked up all the ones that aren't the days interspersed and so you got little pegs and you can peg them up on the thing uh so day four for with god nothing will be impossible luke 1 37 so it's just a little thing each day that kind of help you uh the kids are going to come in actually so kids can come on in kylie bring them in because uh the next things are kind of more things that we've done as well with our family at Christmas time, or to help do Advent, I'll leave that over there. You can have a look at that one as well. Uh, this is uh, a nativity set that we bought, and it came. It was beautifully presented. And each day of Advent, you would pop a piece out, and so that would be uh, the kind of the stable. And then you'd kind of have different sort of figures that would come out each day, and so you'd look forward to that each day. And, uh, and you could do a bit of a Bible reading. So there's like the kings, the camels. Uh, I feel like some days they really struggle to get 24 different things. They had like palm trees. Um, but, they're, they're, you know, it's just a fun way of being able to help the kids and the whole family to connect with and get excited about not just presents, but actually the true meaning of Christmas. Get ready for the arrival of the baby. And so we're preparing everything to be able to do that, so day by day. Um, another time, we decided to do our own little Advent uh, Christmas tree. Uh, and so we kind of bought this because we didn't want to do the, necessarily the chocolate one for each of the kids. We wanted to also uh, have ones where... So we, we wrote a Bible verse. 
we put a Bible verse in, or there was a, a little family challenge, or, um, or something like that to be able to, or a question, a question for the family to talk about, uh, and then because uh, we could put whatever we liked in there, we thought we'd put a little chocolate in. Um, the boxes aren't very big, so it was like two M&Ms. Um, so, but that, was, that probably was not one of our most successful uh, opera, uh, attempts to engage with Advent, but that was what we did uh, an attempt to be able to connect with Advent. Uh, my point, as I show you these resources, is not to be able to say, hey, you have to do one of these things. My point is, Christmas is coming, 64 days. We know Christmas is coming, there's lots to plan, there's lots to prepare. What are we going to do to help us spiritually prepare for this event? How are we going to actually help our children and our families to engage in the excitement, not just of chocolate and gifts and presents, but of the baby who came to actually meet our greatest need? God's greatest gift, comfort. Comfort, I say to you. I want to finish today by just reading to you uh, verses 3 to 4 of Isaiah 40 again, but I'm going to read it from the message translation this time. So this is Isaiah 40, verses 3 to 4. Prepare for God's arrival. Make the road straight and smooth. A highway for our God. Fill in the valleys. Level off the hills. Smooth out the ruts. Clear out the rocks. Then God's bright glory will shine. And everyone will see it. Yes, just as God has said. We have an opportunity this Advent to be able to do that. To allow God's glory to shine in our households and hopefully for anyone who comes into our households during that period to be able to see that we are making preparations for the coming king. We are celebrating that the king has come and will come again. Amen.